the master painter, weaved together a concoction of colors which caused beings to beam in wonder and awe. They had seen his paintings in eternities past, but this, this was beyond what they saw. They saw God become a man to redeem man from the curse of the law. The master painter, the great creator, gave his all to effectively permeate every part of your being, healing, sealing his love with the blood of his son, Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach. He came from above to walk with creation, empowered by the dove to vanquish manipulation. He laid down his life. His blood was the price. We call that redemption. And then he physically rose from the dead. He is alive. This is the why to our celebration. And I am amazed how we are from different walks of life. Yet the master painter takes us like paint and pours us out upon the canvas of life. We are bold, vivid, bright, expressive colors pointing to the Father of light. So when we see darkness, that means they need to see our light. We are His overflow. To flow to those who thirst and do not know of this hope found in our risen Savior, the manifestation of the Master Painter, the Great Creator. We are His overflow. Happy Easter, everybody, wherever you are right now, whether you're in the Dallas area or outside the Dallas area. We're really, really glad that you're with us as today we join with about two billion other people who are all celebrating the same thing this weekend. And that is the most amazing of all realities that God invaded this planet with his life giving presence as Jesus came into this world, took on humanity, died on the cross for the sins of the world, rose from the dead, defeating death. One day will return and finish what he started to redeem and restore this world. In the meantime, wants to fill us with hope that then overflows to others as we engage his work and as we are part of what he is doing and we're part of the story. And that's a lot to celebrate as we get to be filled with that kind of hope and overflow it to others. And that's what we're going to focus on today as we think about overflow. Now, there's this incredible prayer in Romans where Paul prays this for the Christians, for you and me. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. It's a great thought, right? To be overflowing, be people who overflow with hope. You know, overflow is one of those things that can be good or bad in life, right? Just even in general. We've all probably been part of some not so good overflows like toilet overflows. I mean, you wouldn't talk about that at Easter in most churches, but we're not most churches. So just think about that just a little bit, right? You know, that panic when the water starts coming up and you're like, oh, no. And then if it starts going over, especially if you're somebody else's house and you're trying to find towels or whatever, and you turn off the little water thing, right? That kind of overflow, 
we don't want that on stuff. Like we, that, that's not good, right? That's a bad overflow, but there are really good overflows. Like going to a wedding, they may have a champagne fountain. Well, that's a good overflow. Even better, a chocolate fountain. Remember when that was a thing about, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, chocolate fountains? It's one of those things we need to bring back, kind of like members-only jackets and parachute pants, you know? Um, because anything you put in a chocolate fountain is that all that goodness is just flowing over and over. Anything you put in it, I've never tried broccoli. That may be a stretch, but almost anything you put in it, right, is going to taste awesome. That's the kind of overflow you want. Same thing with people. You may not realize this, but we are actually all overflowing something all the time. And every encounter we have with people and every relationship, we are impacting that relationship. When we walk into a room, when we walk into the conversation, there are things that flow out of us, either good or bad. We either give life or kind of take it out, you know, when we are in some kind of encounter. Um, I mean, we all know people, right? Either either not so great overflowers or pretty great overflowers. Like, um, you know, you may be with people right now since it's Easter that they're the kind of people you just want to kind of keep whatever's in there. You just kind of want to keep it in, right? Because whatever flows out of our life is what is in our life in the first place. That's the only thing that can flow out, right? It's what's already in there. So sometimes in our life, it can be negativity. It can be anxiety. It can be despondency. It can be anger. It could be bitterness. And, and so sometimes there's people you just don't want to punch their button, right? Uh, you just kind of want to keep it, keep it even. Because if you punch a button, talk about politics or race or something in the family, it's going to go, ah, you know, and you don't, you don't want that on you. You don't want that stuff. That's not so great overflow. But I'm sure you also are blessed to know people who are wonderful overflowers, the kind of people you want to hang around because of their joy and their peace and their hope that flows out. You want as much of that on you as you can. I've talked over the years about a mentor in my life when I was in high school and when I was in college. He really taught me what it meant to have a relationship with God. Her name was Miss Helen. She was in her 70s and 80s then. And and one of the things about her that was so remarkable is she was an overflower of just all these good stuff. So if you if you were having a bad day, you couldn't really have a bad day anymore around her because of all the joy and peace and love and hope that would come your way. Uh, in fact, she taught piano. She's a professor at a college and she taught piano and students would take piano who didn't give a flip about piano. They just wanted to be on the piano bench with her to have that hour every week just to be with that kind of overflow. Wouldn't it be great to be that kind of person in a world like this? Well, that's what God calls us all to be, not just a, a few select people, but God invites all of us to be that. And that's Paul's prayer that we read earlier, Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to fill you and me with hope that then overflows to others to be hope givers in this world. So as we think about that, let's just think a little bit about what hope is in the first place, just to make sure we're on the same page. And then we'll talk about how this works. The reason for that is hope is one of those words that just gets thrown around so sloppily. You know, we uh, we say things like, you know, so maybe somebody's going to the dentist. Oh, man, I hope you don't have any cavities. Or uh, maybe we talk about the Cowboys next year. Man, I man, I hope they get further in the playoffs. Or uh, as we think about the final four next year or the bracket and all that thing, man, I hope I get more than one day without my bracket being destroyed like this year. 
you know, they're just kind of these positive Hail Mary kind of thoughts. Man, I, I hope it, it works out for you. And, uh, and those often fall a little bit flat, right? If there's no basis underneath them. It's kind of like one of my favorite movies. If I'm going to give a top 10, maybe even a top five of movies, um, is dumb and dumber for me. Now I know some of you thinking, I think we need a new church. I think we need a new pastor. But just go with me a little bit. It's Give it a second chance. Watch it sometime. It's better than you think. My wife hates it, but her tastes are too elevated. But with Dumb and Dumber, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the Jim Carrey character who's in love with this girl who's way above his pay grade, you know, way above his head, way out of his league. And he confesses his love for her. And he said, and so he asks, you know, hey, is there any chance, you know, a girl like you would fall for a guy like me? What are my chances? And she says, not so good. I said, well, by not so good, do you mean like one in a hundred? And she says, no, more like one in a million. And he, then the famous line that you probably, hopefully you remember, you can say it out loud. So you're telling me there's a chance, right? That's optimism. But it's not the kind of hope we're talking about. Uh, the kind of hope we're talking about actually has a basis to it. You know, just coming out of March Madness and college basketball, uh, you may remember Bobby Knight, right, the Indiana coach that that took those teams, you know, had such, such success. Wasn't necessarily the nicest guy. He overflowed some pretty bad things, you know, as he threw chairs and said all kinds of mean things to people. But he wrote a book a few years ago where he actually had a pretty good point. It was called, the book is called The Power of Negative Thinking, which makes you think, oh, I got to go buy that, right? The Power of Negative Thinking. But what he's talking about is that positive thinking without basis, just blind optimism is not a strategy for winning. Uh, It's actually a strategy for losing because it makes you passive. You just hope things are going to work out without actually doing the things that will make them work out. Well, we talk about Christian hope. It's based on what somebody did that what what God did is he raised Jesus from the dead as he defeated death as he wants to light the darkness. Paul talks about that in First Corinthians 15 about the kind of hope we have that's real hope because of the resurrection. First Corinthians 15, he says in verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, meaning if the resurrection didn't happen, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those who've fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Meaning as Christians who sacrifice so much in light of this future hope, if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, then we're the most pitiful people on the planet. Right? We're dumber than dumb and dumber. We're dumber-er. Um, <laughs> but we're the most to be pitied, right? If Jesus hasn't raised from the dead. But the good news is that's not the reality. That's what we're celebrating the next verse. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, talking about Adam when he first sinned, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, meaning have full hope. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
We can be people of full hope because Jesus raised from the dead. Think of it this way. 2,000 years ago, where did hope flow out of that we celebrate? The tomb. I mean, the tomb is the most hopeless place ever, right? The tomb is a place of death. The tomb is a place of darkness, a place of decay, of no hope. But out of that place, out of that place of hopelessness and darkness and death, flowed out the God of hope out of that tomb because he defeated death. He rose from the dead. He has now flowed out of that tomb to light the darkness, to move into despair and decay and death with his life-giving hope. And he wants to flow out of that tomb into your life with his life-giving hope, raise us up to new life, not just tweak our lives, but raise us up to new life and through us flow his hope to this world that desperately needs it. That's why Paul can say, man, may the God of hope fill you with, with, with the kind of hope that will flow out to others. So let's think about that a little bit, what it means to be filled to overflowing. First of all, this Easter, let's think about what we're full of right now. Do we need to be filled with hope? Because as we've said a couple of times, whatever we're full of is what will flow out of us. So what are you full of? You know, we talk about people being full of it, which usually the end is not so great. But it can be, right? What are you full of? Are you full of hope? Because there's lots of options, right? We can be full of with cynicism right now, with what's going on in our world, with negativity, with hopelessness, with fear, with anger. But what God invites us to be is to be filled with his life-giving hope that pushes all that out. Just you may be hopeless about your own life right now as we even as we come to Easter, you know, you, you know, other people are clappy and happy and all that. And that's great. And God's doing stuff in their life. And but you don't have a lot of hope for your life, maybe because of mistakes you've made, of what you've done. You just think I'm I've kind of ruined my life. God's I, I've ruined all my chances. I don't think God's that interested in me. Or maybe things have happened to you in life that make you feel like you're beyond repair. But you're not. The same God who raised Jesus from the dead wants to raise up you and me to a new life. Again, not just change our life, but raise us up to new life. And he wants to come into those areas of our lives that are dark, that are difficult, that are messed up and bring his light and his redemption. And he's good at what he does. There is nothing in your life or relationships, any part of your life that is beyond his repair. And the wonderful thing is, is that when God restores and repairs our life, our family, our relationship, our marriage, whatever it is, he makes it better than if the bad stuff had never happened before. I get to see that every day in my life as a pastor to get to see the power of what God can do. And you can open up your life to that, to be filled with his hope and his life-giving transformation. But it's not just about us, right? It's to be filled to overflowing. It's to overflow that to others. And, and just as Jesus said in John chapter 7, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. That he wants to flow into our life, but then through us to bring hope to those around us. And think about the power of that right now in a world like this, where it's so easy to be despondent, right? When you look at all that's messed up in the world. I remember when I was in high school going through like AP English classes you know, we'd read those books. And I was one of those annoying students that always read the books. Most of my friends just read the cliff notes, but kind of glad I read the books. And one of them was Dante's Inferno. And I remember reading the book and the scene where you, you know, where you go into hell, there's the gates of hell. The way he envisioned it is inscribed in the gates of hell is this phrase, 
Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. That's not only a great description of hell, but man, there are times it feels like a pretty great description of what's going on now, right? And when you look at our world, I mean, every morning, one of the things I do, and I probably need to change this, is is I get on my phone and read the Apple news feed, and it can feel sometimes like like often, like abandon hope, all ye who enter here. And in a world like that, God is God wants to use you and me to be bringers of hope in our world because God is at work. He is redeeming, He is restoring. One day Jesus will return, He will finish what he started. He will make this, make a new heaven and a new earth. No more pain, no more all this stuff that's going on. But in the meantime, he wants to use you and me as bringers of hope, not just positive thoughts. Those are great, but also real and tangible and practical hope as we get to be his hands and feet. And as a pastor, I also get to see that, to see thousands of people in our campuses and our communities through local good center and all that. And everywhere God has placed them, People who are bringing real and practical hope, being the hands and feet of God. And he invites us to be that. Speaking of that, just one example of a Chase Oker. You may not realize that we have Chase Okers in the Ukraine. Uh, We have uh, an orphanage that we help support there through Orphan Outreach. But we also support a seminary that we have for many years called Kiev Theological Seminary. Anatoly Galina Prokupchik started that seminary. We've supported them for years, happily continue to do that. It's an amazing thing that they do. And Anatoly and, and his family, they watch our church services. They're Chase Oakers online, like many of you are. And it's always fun to hear back from them. Hey, that was a good message. Thank you so much. They're always so nice. They never, you know, they never, if it's a bad message, they just stay quiet. So that's good. That's a, it's good for you to learn that too. But, you know, they're, they're good about doing that every once in a while, right? Just wonderful, delightful people. Well, Think about their life now, right? Talk about life being turned upside down. Imagine living in the Ukraine right now. And so as, as a seminary, I mean, you know, what do they do now? And, and just for their safety and all this. So I, a couple of weeks ago, you know, have been reaching out to them, reached out and just said, Hey, we're praying for you. Man, we're thinking about you. We're for you. And, um, and he texted back, Hey, thank you so much for your prayers, exclamation point. And then God will win, exclamation point. God will win in the middle of all that craziness. Now, notice his hope wasn't that Ukraine will win or that NATO will win. Certainly not Russia will win. His hope, way bigger than that. God will win, meaning God is up to something big. God will use even the the darkest darkness, like what's happening there. He will work and they're being part of it. Again, not just bringing positive thoughts, but they're there. The seminary isn't operating anymore because they're just being God's people in that community and in that place of hopelessness. As they're strengthened by God, bringing real and tangible help, as they're bringing food and water and place to stay and medical care and uh, and certainly encouragement too, as they're people of hope, overflowers of hope right where God has placed them. Why? Because that's what we do and that's what we're invited to do. So this Easter, let's think about that a little bit, what it means to be filled with hope to overflowing, just as Paul prayed in that prayer in Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This Easter, let's think about being filled with hope. I don't know what you're filled with right now. But this would be a a great time, right, to say, God, I want you to fill me with your hope. 
And we're going to pray in just a minute and have opportunity to do that. For some of you, it may be the first time that you ever open up your life to God's presence. Uh, there's a, a passage in Revelation where God says, hey, behold, I'm, I'm standing at the door of your life. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. He wants to come into your life right now and bring his life-giving, transforming hope. And you can begin a relationship with him as easily as just letting him in and saying, God, come into my life. I want to follow you. For others, you may have already done that maybe a long time ago, maybe a short time ago, but you need a refill of hope. And the good news is, you know, with God, free refills. He'll keep filling your life with his hope as much as you come to him. And you may say, God, I need a refill because right now I'm so full of anxiety. I'm so full of anger. I'm so full of God. I need to be filled with your hope. And then it's good. It's not just about us. Maybe today is a time as we go to God in prayer to say, God, help me be a giver of hope, a bringer of hope to others to spill over hope, not all that other stuff. And, and you know, I think with what we're going through, it's really kind of a refocus after coming out of a pandemic where it's been so easy to be self-focused because we've had a lot of things going on. We've had a lot of issues ourselves to deal with right now to coming out of that to say, hey, I want to focus again, not just on me. I want to focus on those around me. I want to be a bringer of hope. And I want to engage in a fresh way, in a new way. If you're at one of our campuses or in this area, there's lots of ways to engage. But even if you're not, right, they're right where God has you. There's ways to engage through your generosity, through serving, through saying, man, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not just going to just live in this world. I'm going to live in this world as a hope giver. And God, I need your wisdom to how to do that. So let's go to him in prayer right now, that he would do exactly what Paul prayed all those years ago, that he would fill us with hope to overflowing. Let's bow our heads together. And you're right where you are. I invite you just to talk to God. That's what prayer is, just talking to God in your own words. You can't get it wrong. You can't mess it up. He loves you. He's your father. Just talk to him. And for some of you right now, it may be an opportunity this Easter to say, God, I want you to fill me with your life-giving hope, with your presence. I want you to come into my life and begin to transform and change me. I want to begin a relationship with you. If you do that, that starts a relationship. And he, by the way, when he comes in, he doesn't leave. Uh, the Bible says in, in one place, even if we deny him, he will not deny us for he is faithful. For others of you, it may not be a beginning relationship with God, but maybe you need a refill. So just to say, God, would you refill me with your hope, with your presence in a felt and powerful way? God, where there are parts of my life that are hopeless, that need transformation, God, I open those up to you. And ask that you would come in and begin to do your work. Or maybe it's about refocus for you to say, God, I want to be an overflower of hope. And so, God, would you guide me as I think about my life, my resources, my time, my gifts and abilities, the opportunities that you've given me? God, would you help me be focused on bringing hope in the way that you've called us to bring hope, to be part of what you're doing in this broken world? And with all that in mind, I'm going to close in prayer by praying Paul's prayer for us. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.